0: Chapter 6, Part 3 of The Commentaries on the Laws of England, Book 2, by William Blackstone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roy Haynes. Of the Modern English Tenures PART 3 Villains might be enfranchised by manumission, which is either express or implied, express as where a man granted to the villain a deed of manumission, implied as where a man bound himself in a bond to his villain for a sum of money, granted him an annuity by deed, or gave him an estate in fee for life or years for this was dealing with his villain on the footing of a freeman. It was in some of the instances giving him an action against his lord, and in others vesting an ownership in him entirely inconsistent with his former state of bondage. So also, if the lord brought an action against his villain, this enfranchised him. For, as the Lord might have a short remedy against his villain by seizing his goods, which was more than equivalent to any damages he could recover, the law, which is always ready to catch at anything in favor of liberty, presumed that by bringing this action he meant to set his villain on the same footing with himself, and therefore held it an implied manumission. But in case the Lord indicted him for felony, it was otherwise for the Lord could not inflict a capital punishment on his villain without calling in the assistance of the law. Villains, by this and many other means, in process of time, gained considerable ground on their lords, and, in particular, strengthened the tenure of their estates to that degree that they came to have in them an interest in many places full as good in others better than their lords. For the good nature and benevolence of many lords of manners, having, time out of mind, permitted their villains and their children to enjoy their possessions without interruption, in a regular course of descent, the common law, of which custom is the life, now gave them title to prescribe against their lords, and, on performance of the same services, to hold their lands, in spite of any determination of the lord's will. For though in general they are still said to hold their estates at the will of the lord yet it is such a will as is agreeable to the custom of the manor which customs are preserved and evidenced by the rolls of the several courts barren in which they are entered or kept on foot by the constant immemorial usage of the several manors in which the lands lie and. As such tenants had nothing to show for their estates but these customs and admissions in pursuance of them, entered on those rolls or the copies of such entries witnessed by the steward, they now began to be called tenants by copy of court roll, and their tenure itself a copyhold. Thus, copyhold tenures, as Sir Edward Coke observes, although very meanly descended, yet come of an ancient house, for, From what has been premised it appears that copyholders are in truth no other but villains who, by a long series of immemorial encroachments on the Lord, have at last established a customary right to those estates which before were held absolutely at the Lord's will, which affords a very substantial reason for the great variety of customs that prevail in different manners with regard both to the descent of the states and the privileges belonging to the tenants. And these encroachments grew to be so universal that when tenure in villainage was virtually abolished, though copyholds were reserved by the statute of Charles II, there was hardly a pure villain left in the nation. For Sir Thomas Smith testifies that in all his time, and he was secretary to Edward the Sixth, he never knew any villain engrossed throughout the realm, and the few villains regarded that were then remaining were such only as had belonged to bishops, monasteries, or other ecclesiastical corporations in the preceding times of popery. For, he tells us, that the Holy Fathers, monks, and friars had their confessions, and specially in their extreme and deadly sickness, convinced the laity how dangerous a practice it was for one Christian man to hold another in bondage, so that temporal men, little by little, by reason of that terror in their consciences, were glad to manumit all their villains." But the said holy fathers, with the abbots and priors, did not in like sort by theirs. For they also had a scruple in conscience to impoverish and despoil the church so much as to manumit such as were bond to their churches, or to the manners which the church had gotten, and so kept their villains still. By these several means the generality of villains in the kingdom have long ago sprouted up into copyholders, their persons being enfranchised by manumission or long acquiescence, but their estates in strictness remaining subject to the same servile conditions and forfeitures as before, though in general, the villain services are usually commuted for a small pecuniary quit rent. As a farther consequence of what has been premised, we may collect these two main principles, which are held to be the supporters of a copyhold tenure, and without which it cannot exist. One, that the lands be a parcel of, and situate within, that manor under which it is held. Two, that they have been demised or demisable by copy of court roll immemorially. For immemorial custom is the life of all tenures by copy, so that no new copyhold can, strictly speaking, be granted at this day. In some manners, where the custom hath been to permit the heir to succeed the ancestor in his tenure, the estates are styled copyholds of inheritance. In others, where the lords have been more vigilant to maintain their rights, they remain copyholds for life only. For the custom of the manor has in both cases so far superseded the will of the Lord that, provided the services be performed or stipulated for by fealty, he cannot, in the first instance, refuse to admit the heir of his tenant upon his death, nor, in the second, can he remove his present tenant so long as he lives, though he holds nominally, by the precarious tenure of his Lord's will. The fruits and appendages of a copyhold tenure, that it hath in common with free tenures, are fealty, services, as well in rents as otherwise, reliefs, and achets. The two latter belong only to copyholds of inheritance, the former to those for life only. But besides these, copyholds have also heriots wardship, and fines. Heriots, which I think are agreed to be a Danish custom, and of which we shall say more hereafter, are a render of the best beast, or other good, as the custom may be, to the Lord on the death of the tenant. This is plainly a relic of villain tenure, there being originally less hardship in it, when all the goods and chattels belonged to the Lord, and he might have seized them even in the villain's lifetime. These are incident to both species of copyhold, but wardship and fines to those of inheritance only. Wardship in copyhold estates partakes both of that in chivalry and that in sockage. Like that in chivalry, the lord is the legal guardian who usually assigns some relation of the infant tenant to act in his stead, and he, like guardian in sockage, is accountable to his ward for the profit of fines, some are in the nature of premier sizes, due on the death of each tenant, others are mere fines for alienation of the lands, and in some manners only one of these sorts can be demanded, in some both, and in others, neither. They are sometimes arbitrary and at the will of the Lord, sometimes fixed by custom. But, even when arbitrary, The courts of law, in favor of the liberty of copyholders, have tied them down to be reasonable in their extent. Otherwise, they might amount to a disherition of the estate. No fine, therefore, is allowed to be taken upon dissents and alienation, unless in particular circumstances of more than two years improved value of the estate. From this instance, we may judge of the favorable disposition that the law of England, which is a law of liberty, hath always shown to this species of tenants, by removing, as far as possible, every real badge of slavery from them, however some nominal ones may continue. It suffered custom very early to get the better of the express terms upon which they held their lands, by declaring that the will of the Lord was to be interpreted by the custom of the manor, and where no custom has been suffered to grow up to the prejudice of the lord as in this case of arbitrary fines the law itself interposes an equitable method and will not suffer the lord to extend his power so far as to disinherit the tenant thus much for the ancient tenure of pure villainage and the modern one of copyhold at the will of the lord which is lineally descended from it There is yet a fourth species of tenure described by Bracton under the name sometimes a privileged villainage and sometimes a villain sockage. This he tells us is such as has been held of the kings of England from the conquest downward that the tenants herein, villana faciunti servitia, sed certa et determinata, that they cannot alien or transfer their tenements by grant or fiefment any more than pure villains can, but must surrender them to the Lord or his steward to be again granted out and held in villainage. And from these circumstances we may collect that what he here describes is no other than exalted species of copyhold subsisting at this day viz the tenure in ancient demesne, to which, as partaking of the baseness of villainage in the nature of its services and the freedom of sockage in their certainty, he has therefore given a name compounded out of both, and calls it Villanum Socagium. Ancient domain consists of those lands or manors which, though now perhaps granted out to private subjects, were actually in the hands of the crown in the time of Edward the Confessor or William the Conqueror and so appear to have been by the great survey in the Exchequer called Doomsday Book. The tenants of these lands under the crown were not all of the same order or degree. Some of them, as Britain testifies, continued for a long time pure and absolute villains dependent on the will of the Lord, and those who have succeeded them in their tenures now differ from common copyholders in only a few points. Others were in great measure enfranchised by the royal favour, being only bound in respect of their lands to perform some of the better sort of villain services, but those determinate and certain, as to plough the king's land, to supply his court with provisions, and the like, all of which are now changed into pecuniary rents, and... In consideration hereof, they had many immunities and privileges granted to them, as to try the right of their property in a peculiar court of their own, called a court of ancient demean, by a peculiar process denominated a writ of right close, not to pay toll or taxes, not to contribute to the expenses of knights of the shire, not to be put on juries, and the like. These tenants, therefore, Though their tenure be absolutely copyhold, yet have an interest equivalent to a freehold. For, though their services were of a base and villainous original, yet the tenants were esteemed in all other respects to be highly privileged villains, and especially in this, that their services were fixed and determinate, and they could not be compelled, like pure villains, to relinquish these tenements at the Lord's will, or to hold them against their own. Itidio, says Bracton, conte liberi. Britain also, from such their freedom, calls them absolutely soakmans, and their tenure soakmanries, which he describes to be lands and tenements which are not held by knight service, nor by grand sergeanty, nor by petite, but by simple services, being as it were, lands enfranchised by the king or his predecessors from their ancient demesne, And the same name is also given to them in Fleta. Hence, Fitzherbert observes that no lands are ancient demesne, but lands holden in Sockage, that is, not in free and common Sockage, but in this amphibious subordinate class of villain Sockage. And it is possible... That as the species of Sockage tenure is plainly founded upon predial services or services of the plow, it may have given cause to imagine that all Sockage tenures arose from the same original, for want of distinguishing, with Bracton, between Free Sockage or Sockage of Frank tenure, and Villain Sockage or Sockage of Ancient Demene. Lands held by this tenure are therefore a species of copyhold, and as such preserved and exempted from the operation of the statute of Charles II. Yet they differ from common copyholds, principally in the privileges before mentioned, as also they differ from freeholders by one especial mark and tincture of villainage, noted by Bracton, and remaining to this day, viz., that they cannot be conveyed from man to man by the general common law conveyances of fiefment and the rest, but must pass by surrender to the Lord or his steward in the manner of common copyholds, yet with this difference, that in these surrenders of lands in ancient demesnes of frank tenure, it is not used to say, to hold at the will of the Lord in their copies, but only to hold according to the custom of the manner thus we have taken a compendious view of the principal and fundamental points of the doctrine of tenures both ancient and modern in which we cannot but remark the mutual connection and dependence that all of them have upon each other and upon the whole it appears that whatever changes and alterations these tenures have in process of time undergone from the saxon era to the 12th Charles II, all lay tenures are now in effect reduced to two species, free tenure in common sockage and base tenure by copy of court roll. I mentioned lay tenures only because there is still behind one other species of tenure reserved by the statute of Charles II, which is of a spiritual nature and called the tenure in franco moin 5 tenure in franco in libera elemosina or free alms is that whereby a religious corporation, aggregate or soul holdeth lands of the donor to them and their successors for ever the service which they were bound to render for these lands was not certainly defined but only in general to pray for the souls of the donor and his heirs dead or alive and therefore they did no fealty, which is incident to all other services but this, because this divine service was of a higher and more exalted nature. This is the tenure by which almost all the ancient monasteries and religious houses held their lands, and by which the parochial clergy and very many ecclesiastical and eleemosynary foundations hold them at this day the nature of the service being upon the Reformation altered and made conformable to the pure doctrines of the Church of England. It was an old Saxon tenure, and continued under the Norman Revolution through the great respect that was shown to religion and religious men in ancient times, which is also the reason that tenants in Frankelmoin were discharged of all other services except the trinoda necessitas, of repairing the highways, building castles, and repelling invasions, just as the Druids among the ancient Britons had ammonium rerum immunitatem. And, even at present, this is a tenure of a nature very distinct from all others, being not in the least feudal, but merely spiritual. For if the service be neglected, the law gives no remedy, by distress or otherwise, to the Lord of whom the lands are holden, but merely a complaint to the ordinary or visitor to correct it, wherein it materially differed from what was called tenure by divine service, in which the tenants were obliged to do some special divine services in certain, as to sing so many masses, to distribute such a sum in alms, and the like, which, being expressly defined and prescribed, could with no kind of propriety be called free arms, especially as for this, if unperformed, the Lord might distrain without any complaint to the visitor. All such donations are indeed now out of use, for, since the statute of Quia Em 18 Edward I, none but the king can give lands to be holden by this tenure. So that I only mention them because Frankelmoyne is accepted by name in the statute of Charles II, and therefore subsists in many instances at this day, which is all that shall be remarked concerning it. Herewith concluding our observations on the nature of tenures. End of chapter 6, part 3.